The resurrection of the crucified Jesus brings transformation, a truth we celebrate every Sunday. But then Monday arrives with its unrelenting demands and distractions. In view of this perennial challenge, we invite you to join us for the day after Sunday, a weekly discussion between a preacher, Chris Costaldo, and a music guy, Greg Wheatley, on the implication of Christ's kingdom for everyday life. Well, indeed, here we are the day after Sunday. Another week has rolled around. I don't know, Chris, they're just, they're a blur. Yeah, they're just a blur. this one in particular. But I have to tell you, I am going to stop myself short of complaining because I've, my life has been nothing <laughs> like the Castaldo household. Uh, you guys have been embroiled in wow, blinding you, chaos. Three of your three of your children have been in a, an amazing production of Les Misérables. You've just come through it. It's done now, right? That's I right. Think, I think you're done. Yep. Um, Indeed. But but boy, do you look tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was a great time. Christian Youth Theater put on Les Mis, and our oldest three were in it. So we spoke French for a whole month. We yeah, didn't speak any English. And it was, yeah, yeah, we we. Um, but now we're returning to a semblance of normalcy. Yeah, yeah and it was great. You means. you and Jennifer had a we chance did. to attend. Oh, we did. What a production! I mean, um, it's amazing when you think that the oldest student in this would have been a senior in high school, and then on down, the level of uh, the level of acting and singing um, was was very amazing. But um, obviously, in that story, and I, here's my true confession: I've never read the book. Probably should be on my bucket list. It's a big book. It, yeah, I don't over, like big books. Yeah, this one's over fourteen hundred yeah, pages. They yeah. scare me. I know. And I like to think of myself as a reader, but they scare me. Yeah. Um, anyway, you should have taken that Evelyn Wood speed reading course years ago. I do wish I could speed read. Yeah, me too. Actually, uh, but at any rate, I probably should read it. But um, one of the things that kind of brought us back to this was to say there are lots of interesting spiritual themes in Hugo's story. Yeah, they really are. Well, that's, for me, watching it, I had, was identifying with so many different characters, and most of all, it was the lead character, Jean Valjean. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that, so there's a certain scene where that comes into focus, yep. and it's toward the beginning, after 19 years of hard prison service. Yep. Uh, he's released. He can't find a job. When he does, they don't pay him what he deserves because he has this ticket which says he's an ex-con. And then uh, without any place to go, he knocks on the door of the bishop. And what happens there, Greg? Yeah. Well, uh, the bishop answers the door <laughs> for starters, <laughs> which is Lo good. and behold. Because, I mean, where's the story going to go if he doesn't come to the door? Uh, yeah, so, so this bishop uh, takes him in. And he he's kind to him. He lets him sleep the night. Uh, Valjean, then, this is probably the most famous part of the story, right, um, actually steals some valuables from this bishop, takes off, yeah. uh, wraps them up in his cloak, and, and takes off. He gets apprehended by the police and is brought back to the bishop's house. And then that's where the moment, the redemptive moment happens. Oh, my. Right? Oh, my. Yeah. So I saw the movie with Lean... Neeson, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a 1998 version, and it's in that scene where the bishop uh, comes out, the police have presented Valjean, who's taken the expensive cutlery, and uh, the bishop responds saying, how is it possible you have forgotten mm -hmm. the candlesticks? Yeah. <laughs> and gives it to them. And, and everyone looks on with incredulity, 
uh, including Valjean himself, yep. because he's never encountered mercy or mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in his yeah. life. Yeah, and what a picture of that. I mean, um, when you think about it, you know, you, you could probably get squinty-eyed and, and get off on the wrong track and say, well, now, that wasn't the truth. But the point is, this was the bishop's act of mercy and grace mm-hmm. to Valjean. Mm-hmm. It was his way to say, I'm not going to hold you responsible for this thing you've done to me. And it is. It's a beautiful moment of um, realization. It's really a picture of, um, of grace being ex- extended ultimately by God, isn't it? It is. And, and how it marked his life, from that point forward, Valjean was never the same. Why? Because he looked at himself through God's eyes now. He learned from the bishop that he was a human. He was uh, made in God's image, deserving of love. And that changed everything for him. His identity changed. So he asked this question, uh, who am I? And uh, goes on to sing this lovely song that culminates in the words, another story must begin. And I look at that from a theological point of view and see conversion, mm-hmm. new birth. And isn't that the centerpiece of what God does yeah. when he draws someone out of darkness and, and into his light? And he gives you a new name, in essence. Yeah. Uh, other interesting facet there to play off is um, it was the bishop's initiative that did it, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't Valjean wasn't knocking on that bishop's door saying, uh, you know, I, we need to talk, I need forgiveness. He just wanted a place to stay, I think, yeah. at that point. Um, and it was the bishop who extended grace to him and changed his life. And how natural would it have been for the bishop to respond uh, saying, this scoundrel <laughs> yeah. has stole my oh, cutlery. You're not, you're not coming in my house again. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right. So he does what is very unnatural for humans to do. Yeah. It, is a, it is a divine act, mm-hmm. uh, complete grace. Yeah. And that is then the reference point for the remainder of Valjean's life. Mm-hmm. He, he goes about living for other people, seeking to express that same mercy that he received. And what does that do then? Uh, as, you, as you've watched it, was there something about that life of Valjean that struck you? Well, he, you know, to go back to what I just said, it, 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 it would be interesting to think about an alternative way that Hugo could have written this story. Um, sometimes when I teach music classes, I, I like to do this little thing with students. I say, look at, this, look at this phrase that Beethoven wrote. What if he had changed this chord? We're free to do that. As I often say, he's dead. He doesn't care. Uh, so, so we do that. We, we just do, I call it decomposing the composer. Um, but it's, what if Hugo had written the story so that Valjean had sort of one night said, you know what, I'm tired of this life. I'm going to turn it around. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do this. I could, be a, I could be a better man. And he didn't do that, though. It... it as he became that better man through the story, it was because of how the bishop treated him and saw him, right? And Hugo uses certain language to describe that. Here's one way he says it. He says, morality is truth in full bloom. So think of a flower blooming. Uh, There is this emergence of fragrance, and it's drawn from something deeper. And um, what's in view there is the fact that this life 
of love and kindness and mercy comes from someplace, and it comes from the new identity. No longer am I Valjean. Yeah. Um, he is dead. And, of course, that makes you think of the New Testament message. All who are in Christ are a new creation. Mm-hmm. Old things have gone. New things have come. Yeah. But it's not that new life that defines our faith. It's Christ who does. Mm-hmm. And that is what leads to another character, the, the antagonist, I suppose, and that is Javert, Inspector Javert. Mm-hmm. Um, his approach to life is defined by law-keeping, <laughs> a letter of the law. So what, what did you see yeah. there in that interaction that struck you as interesting? Well, you think about, I mean, it wouldn't, as soon as you say law, law-keeping and law-giving, my mind goes to uh, the, the, the nemesis, uh, nemeses in Jesus' day, right, the Pharisees, at least the ones we tend to read about, the ones who just couldn't get Jesus. I mean, they, they didn't get this grace thing. And this idea that um, we're going to do it right. This is the way we um, have a relationship with God. Um, we're going we're gonna to keep the law. And by the way, we're pretty proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing well. This is what God said to do, and we do it. And we look at Javert, <laughs> and we think, surely that's, that's me. Yeah. Um, I like to think of myself as a person transformed by grace. But there are those moments mm-hmm. when we look to our behavior as the measure yep. of who we are. And expected of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots to see, isn't there? And uh, the other thing it, it sort of reminds me of is that sometimes some of these artistic expressions can be pretty potent moments yeah. to, if we'll let them, if we'll get quiet and let them. Uh, to hear God's truth. I mean, we don't put them on the level. They're not inspired like Scripture is. But um, if we really believe that that all truth is God's truth and he's speaking all the time, um, maybe if we just listen to some of these stories, we'd get some some valuable uh, insight into to, to the heart of God as yeah. well. Yeah. Your observations in our episode on enchantment, mm-hmm. I think, made that point well. And we're surrounded by all of these expressions of truth that lift our gaze above the horizon, yeah. lead us to contemplate God. But there's something about Hugo's prose that that does that. And I've just read excerpts. In fact, there's a book we found by Bob Welsh that um, considers life lessons out of Les Mis. And here's something that uh, Welsh has to say about Javert. He says, he's consumed by a sense of failure confused by Valjean's compassion and confounded by his own lack thereof. He knows Valjean is not innocent, but he is good. And for the first time, Javert seems to recognize that he cannot arrest the man, but neither can he live with himself for not doing so. Mm. So there's that scene, right? Conflicted. <laughs> yeah, where he's, he's working that out. And it, and it leads to, spoiler alert here, uh, it, it leads to Javert's death hmm. and that that is so st- striking so interesting to me hmm. that he had a choice will i change or not and and he chose the latter and there there's a rhetorical parallel between that song and the song of Jean Valjean at the beginning when he changes his identity mm-hmm. a new story shall begin javert didn't have the ability to do that yeah interesting and he takes his own life interesting yeah. um yeah, all kinds of parallels. And I don't know, maybe this is going a little too far afield, but I think about 
um, the contrast of, say, a Judas and a Peter, hmm. both of whom sinned against the Lord. Well, that's good, Greg. Um, and Peter, obviously, um, is is distraught over it, um, and Judas is also distraught over it, but they have two diametrically opposed outcomes, right? Yeah. Um, so a little bit of little bit of that in there as well. Um, and Peter speaks so powerfully to us when we fail, and we know that we should do better. Isn't it comforting to look at Peter's example yeah. and and see a man who walked with Jesus three years, saw the miracles firsthand, and denied him yeah. multiple times, yeah. and yet was forgiven, and not just forgiven but commissioned. Yeah, um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. That is that is a sight. Yeah. Um, what about Gavroche? Gavroche. Well, he got to uh, get shot and fall into the arms of his bigger brother. That's right. So yeah, <laughs> if, it's just so people understand. So Gavroche is uh, one of your sons and uh, your older son. What was your character name? Your, this is Luke, our engineer over here. Jacques. Jacques. Of course. Good Jacques. Name. <laughs> so uh, when, when Gavroche gets shot at the barricade and falls over, he falls right into the arms of his big brother. So I thought that was poetic justice. I was holding my breath was, but yeah, every time yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he didn't hit the floor. He did a nice job. Yeah, well so, done, Luke. Yeah. Uh, Gavroche was quite a character. He's, uh, he's sort of, in some ways, he's kind of a little bit of the comic relief uh, of the show, isn't he? He is. Yeah. And, and is a lesson in himself because he comes from the Tenardier family, this real sleazy, deceptive couple. And yet Gavroche is different. And uh, Welsh offers a little comparison. This is worth thinking about. Looking at Gavroche, he says, he sees life as an adventure. He doesn't slip into self-pity in the way that his parents do. He's, he's not obsessed with the idea that he needs more. He values people. I think that <clears throat> is central mm-hmm. to what makes him charming, mm-hmm. the relationships that he has with others. He laughs at life. He notices what's going on around him, finds purpose, and is content with who he is. Doesn't need to deceive. So there's something there about living a life that is uh, marked by suffering and yet doesn't succumb uh-huh. to that suffering. There's yeah. a resiliency yeah. there. Yeah. Kind of, um, I, I think one of the current words, kind of living in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, as you say, obviously suffering and, and in the end, uh, he lost his life, but um, sort of had that, that ability to live life to the full and uh, live it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have been reflecting a great deal on these characters over the course of these weeks. Coming away, I wonder if there are any particular scenes or characters that have been inspiring to you. Mm. I'll say for me, I can't get away from Valjean and particularly the the change that occurred. Mm-hmm. That, that it is possible for life to be different. God can reach within our souls and do something yep. that results in a change that's not just momentary, yeah. but starts a whole new trajectory. And then the way that extends to other people, talk about inspiring. Hmm. And it's all about, uh, as you we said earlier, uh, a change of identity, um, not just a sort of bootstraps. I can do uh, this. Is my New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do better this year. Um, it's a God-given change of identity that says you are no longer. It's it's the whole in biblical terms we would say in Christ, right? Yeah. Um, that those who are in Christ are new creations. Uh, 
and and that changes everything. We could debate what is meant by evangelical that term, how we should use it in the public square. There's you know appropriate concern given the baggage associated with it of a political nature, but you know what theology is trying to say with that word evangelical is that there is good news that so engages a person that a new birth occurs that there is a dawning of a new age and that person is changed forever Mm -hmm. and it seems to me as we as we go about defining what it means to be that kind of a christian gospel-centered evangelical the leading edge of what we're trying to say there is that uh, God does that work. He does it by his grace, yeah. and it results in a life that is qualitatively different. Yeah, I, I fear that sometimes in the current climate we're in that people on the outside, people who are not Christians, don't hear that as very good news. Yeah, I think they hear a, a variety of things, but they may hear a political affiliation. Well, if I'm not either this way or that way, I can't be, you know, Christians are fill in the blank politically or they hear it as legalism um well you don't like the fact that i don't do things exactly like you do and that's the travesty because this reality that is supposed to speak of the kind of grace that we see in the life of valjean that which is undeserved and that really transforms and issues forth in in love toward others is inverted is turned on his its head and is viewed by many as, as you just said, legalism, yeah. law-keeping. Yeah. Shouldn't it be, Chris, that when people hear the message of the gospel preached, people who, who are, again, not already Christians, well, I would say, actually, those of us who are, too, shouldn't it really strike us as unbelievably good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it seems like if it's really if we're really hearing properly— we should hear it as a message that is so astounding that we can hardly believe it. Yeah. Um, because it's so cuts so counter to our legalistic um, performance-based mentality. And you see a bit of that in the way Javert views Valjean. So Valjean goes on, he be, he's, he's such a, a servant, he becomes mayor of a town. Javert is present, interacting with him as the mayor interacting with Valjean and doesn't recognize him hmm. and and I wonder if you know part of that is this reality you're describing that it's inconceivable that yeah. someone who is yeah. 19 years in the prison right you know such an angry person could possibly be this mayor yeah. whose life is flourishing with love and kindness yeah. but alas that is precisely the miracle that God performs in human lives yeah yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, I wonder sometimes if, if, if this country, if our culture sees another significant revival or reformation, however you want to term it, I wonder if it will feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we will no longer identify the faith wrongly, you know, if you turn on the news now, it, it's, it almost makes you cringe sometimes when you hear evangelical spoken in the media because you know what's coming mm-hmm. it's going to be a voting block description evangelicals vote this way evangelicals are angry about this um, and I'm wondering if we ever got into a moment again of true revival where that would 
fade away and people would say, oh no, evangelicals, they're the ones who, who preach gospel. They're the ones who give you grace. They're the ones who tell you that God has done something for you that you can't do for yourself. And, and that, who, can, who can be angry about that, right? <laughs> that's my hope. As we read the headlines and we see all of the, the threats and ills of society, we see the dark clouds on the horizon. Um, what's my hope? My hope is that God would do in this day what he's done in ages past. You think of the French Revolution, for example, mm-hmm. and we understand that Les Mis occurred after that, but it's the, the general context. Some historians have said the reason why Great Britain was different, and the U.S., different from France as to the the reign of terror and all that ensued there, uh, was the role of religion. Hmm. It's because there was this revival under the preaching of, of Wesley and Whitfield. Yeah. The Spirit of God was working, and that extended to the U.S., and, and so you had a different outcome uh, from what might have otherwise occurred, what we see in the case of France. Yeah. Well, have we sufficiently dissected Les Miserables? Uh, I should really read the book, don't you think? <laughs> really think I should. Put that on your bucket list. Well, you know what, though? There's other ones. Like War and Peace. You ever read War and Peace? I have not. See? Yeah. So this is, we're good for each other. We, <laughs> yeah, should, we, should, right. uh, we should confess to one another more often. So, Well, this has been an interesting conversation. And, you know, it might be some people listening, this might prompt them to uh, read or, or watch the movie with some of these thoughts rolling around in the back of their head and yeah it it would be good this book i mentioned earlier by bob welsh which uh considers the spiritual themes of les mis it's called 52 little lessons from les miserables is is terrific so well written and uh, maybe that would be uh, a manageable entry point into the 1400 page volume yeah great idea start there and see where you go from there well, this has been good as always, yeah. Chris, and uh, we'll do it again next time and see you in church Sunday, right? Look forward to it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for the day after Sunday. We'd love to have you worship with us at New Covenant Church this Sunday morning at 1030 at the corner of South Washington and 75th Street in Naperville. And please join us next week for the day after Sunday. <laughs>